1: Learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash TalkAwayTheDark.
0: Hey, this is Jesse Dukes, audio producer at Curious City. As I mentioned last week, we are on a short break, planning for a couple of live events and working on future episodes of Curious City. We've got some great stories coming up, including next week's story about living on contaminated land in East Chicago, Indiana. But for this week, we want to share another podcast that came out earlier in the year that we really love. It's called The Promise, and it was reported and produced by Maribah Knight. Long-time Curious City listeners might remember Mariba's reporting on living near the CTA train lines, the Chicago Bucket Boys, or shoes on power lines.
1: Do you have to, like, wind up?
0: Yeah. And you do more missing than you do getting it, that's for sure. Unless you just get extremely lucky the first time, you're going to be
2: throwing that thing up there for a few minutes. I've seen guys pull their cars up. and This call is from a correctional
0: facility and may be monitored and recorded.
2: Just to get that extra five or six feet closer.
1: I gave Patrick Starr some homework.
0: Yeah, we're proud. Mariba sort of learned radio and audio reporting for Curious City, and now she's at Nashville Public Radio. Her podcast focuses on a particular public housing complex, the James Casey Homes. It's near downtown Nashville in a desirable location. The complex, built in the late 1930s, is now in the process of being demolished and rebuilt. The city of Nashville is redeveloping the area as mixed housing, low income and market rate, and they promised the residents of the Casey homes they would be able to stay. So Mariba's reporting is focused on how that promise is playing out in people's lives. It delves into life in the projects, the day-to-day violence residents experience, troubled relationships with the police, and so much more. Although it's set in Nashville, the topics the podcast addresses are all things we've covered in Chicago gentrification, affordable housing, violence, tensions between communities and police. So we're sharing an episode from The Promise in our podcast feed. It's the second episode called A Beautiful Day in the Projects. And quick warning, there are curse words in the story, also vivid descriptions of gun violence. So again, this is episode two of The Promise, A Beautiful Day in the Projects.
2: Today, Friday. Today, a good day to barbecue. Cut pieces of ribs, some pork chops, and some of them. good old hamburgers. But you can't say ain't nothing gonna happen. I'm tired of looking at death out my back window, out my back door. I'm tired of it. People are literally scared to have their kids outside. Boom, 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 boom. Can you tell Yeah, somebody got killed. They was in the car. I mean, I wasn't waking up thinking that this was gonna happen.
1: I'm Maribah Knight. And you're listening to The Promise, a podcast from National Public Radio. A series of stories about life in public housing, smack in the middle of a city on the rise. One neighborhood, two realities, and the city's bold promise to bring it all together. Episode two, A Beautiful Day in the Projects.
2: You might, you might jump over here and see, ooh, barbecue chicken. But they give you an old dry pork chop. I mean, you got to understand, it's, it's not always what you see is what you get. No, you can't
1: if you see. live in Casey, you, you, know, you know Dexter see. Turner. Not get. by Dexter, but by his nickname, Big Man. On any given day, Big Man's usually holding court from his back stoop on South Street, a pair of dingy cement steps surrounded by a couple of decrepit wire clotheslines. When he's not telling jokes, waxing philosophical, or yelling at young men to pull their pants up, he's selling single cigarettes for 50 cents a smoke. Cigars go for a dollar. So, what I do is I test my levels, so if you, do you just
2: want to introduce yourself? Which one? Big man.
1: What else is there?
2: I mean, there's nothing else. I mean, what you want to know? I mean, I'm just a person, a human being. I mean, you know, a person that Still respects and appreciates his hood, even though it's, you know, it's going the wrong path, but we try to make it better. Mm -hmm. It's going to be better.
1: As you can imagine, Big Man is, well, big. He's tall and broad-shouldered. He wears his baseball hats cocked to the side. He's missing a few front teeth, but he's not unkempt. And he prefers delightfully irreverent T-shirts with phrases like, I'm not antisocial. I'm anti-stupid. He's been called Big Man for as long as he can remember. So long, in fact, that one time he applied for a job at Johnny Rockets and wrote Big Man on the application.
2: I actually did that for real. And actually got the job. That was the killing part about it. Actually got the job.
1: Big Man is sporadically employed, mostly seasonal labor. But often he's on dad duty, since his wife Narquita works full time. His son Roderick, who they call Man Man, is seven, and his daughter Valencia is nine. Most days, he picks them up from the bus stop, makes sure they start their homework. On summer weekends, they like to get out of Casey and go swimming in the lake. On a sunny Friday in late May, I went to see Big Man. We'd made plans to spend the afternoon hanging out, me with my tape recorder and him barbecuing with his family. Big Man's apartment is right next to a playground, so it's easy for him to man the grill and keep an eye on his kids as they play outside.
2: Today, Friday. Today, a good day to barbecue.
1: What do you like to barbecue?
2: Oh, chicken. A couple pieces of ribs some pork chops and some good old hamburgers. But ain't nothing like a barbecue burnt hot dog. It's the best. You got to have a little burn on it. You got to have a little burn.
1: Big Man is quite a character. Sometimes it can sound like he's putting on a show. But trust me, that's just him. He grew up in public housing, a development about two miles north of here. He moved to Casey in 1999. Back then, he says, the community was pretty tight. But today, that closeness has frayed. Shootings are way up. The police are bearing down. And the project is about to be completely torn down and rebuilt. So people are on edge. Still, it's Big Man's home. It's where he's raising his kids, where his friends live. He's trying to have a good life here. Some days it is, and some days it isn't. He grapples with that paradox. No matter what, though, there's always Big Man's sense of humor and his flair
2: for colorful analogies. I mean, I done learned how to adapt to this. It's like like a cactus. You can throw me out there in the sand. I'm going to grow. What's up, old son? Yeah, I'm groovy, baby. I'm blending like rice and cheese. Everything blended just right. What's up, baby?
1: Everyone in Casey has a deep fondness for Big Man. For all his bluster, he's a good listener and a sensitive guy who wants to see better from his neighborhood. Tell me about, like, who you are to the neighborhood.
2: (sighs) I don't know. I ain't figured that part out yet. I guess what they call it. I guess I'm like everybody daddy, everybody therapist.
1: He likes to dole out little profundities about life here, like the time he tried to explain how folks feel about the constant churn of social programs. Something starts in Casey, and soon enough, the funding runs out. And poof, it's gone.
2: You ever look at Jerry Seinfeld, the soup Nazi, the soup Nazi episode, he said, I know, I serve you no more, my friend. So see, that's how they look at it they give you a little something, get your hopes up, and no, no more, my friend, and they cut you out. He
1: says it's like some angry deli man is telling them no soup for you, but instead of soup, it's job programs and youth engagement. Here's a case in point. Casey has a nonprofit right in the middle of the complex, the Martha O'Brien Center. It's been there since the 50s, and for many years, it was the heart of this community, offering job training, parenting classes, and low-cost preschool. But recently, it's switched gears, moved away from all that, and started opening charter schools. Big Man used to frequent the center, but these days, he doesn't have much good to say about it. But if there's one thing that really gets Big Man in a negative frame of mind, it's the violence around Casey. It makes him irate. And lately, he's been pretty worked up about it. In a matter of weeks, four people were shot and killed outside Big Man's apartment. It's a bit of a mystery as to why it's gotten bad. Police don't blame gangs or drugs. They say the incidents are isolated, interpersonal beefs gone haywire. And residents say it's outsiders coming in, making trouble, which is accurate. Many of the people responsible for the shootings don't actually live in Casey, but they often have connections. They used to live here, or they have friends or family here. So on Friday morning, Big Man starts prepping for the barbecue. He pulls the meat out of the freezer, makes note of what he needs to buy at the store. He's out of charcoal. Then at 1.15, he's in his kitchen when he hears it. A pop, pop, pop. And that's when his day goes from good to bad. Just like that.
2: I don't even know. All I heard was some shots came out the door. They said that, I, that was it. They said somebody was shot in there. Dude ran down the sidewalk. I looked at him. He fell on the ground. It was a young man with light
1: skin and shoulder length dreadlocks, sitting in Big Man's front yard with a large bullet hole in his stomach. Big man told him to be still and stay calm, that help was on the way.
2: The other one, I don't know which way he went, and they said it was a dude up in the car dead. I didn't go our way up there. I came right back in my house. It was a triple shooting in his
1: front yard, right outside his apartment. One person was killed and two people were injured. I arrived about 30 minutes after the incident. The ambulances had just pulled off, and officers were still stringing up yellow crime scene tape. I mean,
2: this shit right here is just ridiculous. I'm through. I can't even do this. I can't even do it. It's just like, it's not making no sense. See, now I got to worry about what I'm going to tell my kids what happened in front of the house. Because I try to protect them from stuff like
0: this.
1: A little after two p.m., it's time for Big Man to go pick Man Man and Valencia up from the bus stop. Before we set off, I ask him if he knows what he's going to tell them about the shooting. As a parent of kids growing up in Casey, this has got to be one of the most difficult things
2: to navigate.
1: Someone just got shot and killed, and now you got to go pick your son up. I mean, what are you going
2: to tell your son? I mean, I can't tell him. I mean, all I can tell him is I can't. I can't hold no truth from him. They gonna see that anyway. I'm not finna hold the truth. If he don't hear from me, he gonna hear from some of the child out here.
1: Before heading off, Big Man grabs his phone, his keys, and tucks a pack of Newport cigarettes into the pocket of his cargo shorts.
2: I don't know what else to say about shit around here. I ain't got time.
1: Big Man starts walking across the courtyard, passing the rows of drab two-story brick apartments and up the hill towards South 7th Street, where he picks up his kids. He doesn't get far before running into an old friend who's ambling along eating a bag of chips.
2: Yeah. That man died up there. He did? Yeah.
0: How many yeah, people get know, shot?
2: Uh, it wasn't about here, was it? Wasn't. Three all together? Yeah. No, about here, right here? You no, know, nah, 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 not that one. Uh, you know, they used to have dreads, they called him about here. He'd be upstairs up there. He's skinny. No, nah, not him. He wasn't, he wasn't, no, nah, so he, he wasn't was got killed? Him. Yeah, somebody got killed. They was in the car. Said all the niggas, they ran around now. Boom, 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 boom. And, I'm tired, bro. I got to get away from over here. Up you, At the bus stop,
1: Big Man stands with a few other parents and grandparents, all waiting to get their kids from East End Prep Elementary, a charter school a few miles away that serves a number of kids from Casey. Good evening. They stand there waiting with a mixture of blank stares and frustration on their faces. A few <laughs> offer theories on the shooting. Was it over a dice game or maybe a murder from years back? But most of them just look worn out.
2: I'm tired of looking at death out my back window, out my back door. I'm tired of it. It's a dog-eat-dog world. That's what ain't nobody gonna get nowhere. It's a curse to live up here though. It's a curse. When
1: one of the mothers, Gracie Fox, hears I'm there with the recorder, she comes up to talk with me.
2: This ain't no place for nobody. This, it's not, it's not too much going on over here. Every time you turn around, somebody getting shot, killed. You know what I'm saying? I just had a cousin, um, uh, a year ago, got killed out here on Seventh. And then, uh, a couple of weeks ago a couple of weeks ago, April the 21st, I had another cousin get killed over there by Nissan Stadium. Got shot and killed over by Nissan Stadium. And his name was D'Angelo Fox. So. Pretty so, and they caught the guy up here the same day. Thank God, you know what I'm saying. So, big man, put your input. Big man, man, my input is the same. What's that? Same. Burn it down. I used to think about it could be saved over here for real. I mean, but after seeing what I just seen today, for real talk, it's nothing over here no more.
1: While it sounds dramatic, Big Man has been thinking a lot about the fate of Casey. And what tearing it down and rebuilding it as mixed income could mean for his family? Will the city really make good on its promise to let them stay? And if so, does he even want that? Coming up after the break, Big Man and the kids head home. But chatter about the shooting is all around them.
0: Hey, just a reminder, you're actually listening to the Curious City podcast. We're presenting this episode of The Promise. And if you like it, you can subscribe and hear the other six episodes at WPLN.org.
1: Before long, the bus pulls up. Man Man and Valencia tumble out of it, dressed in their school uniforms of khaki shorts and navy blue polo shirts. Their oversized backpacks trail behind them.
2: This? Let's go, y'all.
1: Without needing a prompt, Man Man reports on his day.
2: Okay, that's a good job. I'm proud to hear that. Okay, we got to go to the house. We get y'all something, we'll get to the house.
1: I ask Valencia about hers. She responds in her deep whisper of voice.
2: Good. I'm talking uh, about You walk right there and then walk back. Yeah, really good.
1: As they begin their walk home, Big Man says nothing to the kids about the shooting that just unfolded or the crime scene they're about to walk into, the yellow tape crisscrossing the yard, the detectives posted up at their front door, he says nothing of all that as he hustles man-man in Valencia across the busy street.
2: Come on, let's go, let's go. I don't need y'all getting hit. I ain't got no money for y'all to get hit.
1: But it's impossible not to hear the banter
2: about the shooting. It's everywhere. Somebody shot "Shit out! him. What the hell he done done? I don't know, but they got the shooting. He, he got one of He got two of them. They killed him, though. Damn. Right there, I see it right behind your house.
1: Back at his apartment, Big Man sits down on his stoop and pulls out a fresh cigarette. He takes a long drag and gets really quiet, like he's deep in thought. Earlier that morning, after taking the meat out to thaw, he'd gone to see a house in Dixon, about 45 miles west of Nashville, a single-family home on six acres of land. It's a rent-to-own deal, eventually selling for $185,000. And right now, he wants that house more than ever but he needs $2,000 for a deposit.
2: I'm tired over here, man. I'm like, I'm officially through, dude. I mean, officially through. Tired over here, tired of just shit in general over here.
1: Big man's friend, Maul, chimes in.
2: Shit, you know what you gotta do? It's already happening, for real talk. It's already in motion. I'm through, I can't do this.
1: And then one of his kids opens the back door, letting out Muffin and Pie, the family's two Jack Russell Terriers.
2: Muffin. muffin. Hey, Muffin. How you doing, Dink? Hey, Dink. The dogs
1: lighten the mood for a few minutes. Mall and Big Man chat about this and that. Valencia's watching the dogs. When she turns to me,
2: I wish I had. A, I wish we had a house.
1: I hate living in apartments and stuff On their suits and all that,
2: especially
1: when the kids are around. Mm. In the middle of all this, Big Man's wife, Narquita, comes home from her job at Aramark, a food and cleaning services company where she's worked for 23 years. Valencia runs to meet her as she comes around the corner Limping from a recent flare-up of her gout. Look how she's walking. Look how she's walking. Finally, you here?
2: Oh, who's hiding here? What happened over here? Man, they killed that man. Who
1: got killed? Yeah. Narquita shakes her head, too tired to declare her utter disappointment. Her workday began before dawn and now she comes home to yellow crime tape zigzagging the yard and a bunch of police at her front steps. She goes inside and Big Man resumes his post on the back stoop, though he's distracted by a plainclothes police officer who's hovering on the other side of his door. Casey can feel really cut off from a lot of the city. There's no grocery stores, no coffee shop, no restaurants, but the one institution it has regular interactions with is the police. And the relationship is a tenuous one. In February, an officer shot and killed a Casey resident. Since then, tensions have been high. And lately, officers have been saturating Casey, putting cameras up around the complex and doing patrols on foot and on bike. A minute later, a detective comes walking around the corner, holding a notepad and a pen. His name is Detective Cole Womack. And he asked to speak with Big Man, away from my microphone, Big Man says he's fine with me recording.
2: Yeah, I ain't Did you, can you tell me what you saw? <laughs> that's basically what it is. Heard it, came out the door, that's all I can tell you. Seen one guy laying on the ground, walked up the sidewalk, they said it was a guy in the car. What, what's your name, I'm sorry. Big Man. That's what they called me. I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm just taking notes. I'm just giving you my notes. I mean, understanding like I'm saying. You asked me what I heard. I told you what I heard. So then after. You heard the uh, gunshot. You came out from up, up, up upstairs? You're downstairs, I guess, aren't you? I'm downstairs. Okay. So you came out to the other side. Yep. What came, came outside, right? got laying on the ground. What, can you remember what he I don't know. I don't know nobody around because I don't even come outside, for real. I didn't finish the question, so I was going to ask you what he saw he was wearing. I didn't ask you if you knew who he was. I think it was a red shirt. He was right there on the ground. Did you tell where he was shot at? I didn't. I just told him just be still and calm down and walked out. I said, Anybody don't cry. Or anything over there between the houses? Well, I don't know. I didn't see that much. I don't think I can tell you when I came out the door. He was there when I walked up the sidewalk. Everybody was right at the at a great car up there. So I left it at that because the thing about it is, I reason why I left because I got to get my kids off the school bus. Gotcha. Do you have a phone number? Maybe if I reach you later on, I can put my notes. What you want? Nothing. Have a good
0: day. Be
1: Detective Womack taps his pen closed, turns on his heels, and briskly walks away.
2: So now what do you now what did you just get? He sounded very frustrated. I mean, what are you frustrated me for? I'm telling you what I seen, what I heard. That's it. I didn't see it. I can't tell you nothing. I don't patrol these streets. See, that's what I'm saying. Why was he so uh blustered to I don't want to talk on the mic? Why? It's nothing but a radio podcast.
1: Okay, that was a lot. And to be honest, I'm still struggling to make sense of that exchange. And I completely understand why Detective Womack wouldn't want that conversation recorded. After all, he's trying to gather the first scraps of a murder investigation. But what that conversation looked like to me was two people who didn't know how to talk to each other and, frankly, didn't really want to. Each had their guard up Each had their assumptions about what the other was or wasn't saying. And neither got what they wanted out of the conversation. By this point, Big Man looks so exhausted. He's been saying it all afternoon. But this is the first time I really see it in his face. The frustration and the disappointment in his neighborhood. He had plans for a chill Friday. One spent with family, eating a hamburger and some burnt hot dogs. And now his front yard is a crime scene.
2: I wasn't expecting to come come out, come home, get ready to go out and get the stuff. And first thing you hear is gunshots. I I, that's not part of my plan. That's not part of nobody's plan. It's not part of my plan to come out the house and see somebody laying in the front yard. That's not part of my plan. It's not part of my plan to hear somebody done got murdered.
1: It's not the barbecue Big Man had been prepping for. But his kids are safe. And that's all that really matters. Now it's time to make the best of what's left of Friday. His friend Chico goes to his car and returns with a couple of cheap beers that have been sitting in his hot trunk all day.
2: And you know what? That's not bad. It's quite good. It's quite quite refreshing.
1: It's a tough day in the projects if a hot bite ice tastes this good. Big Man was hoping for a quiet afternoon, hanging out with his family, flipping burgers. Next time on The Promise. That conversation between Big Man and the detective, it meant a lot more than what either of them said or didn't say.
2: Man, I know the hardest job in the world is being a police officer, but you know. Just because I'm running from the police, that don't mean you're supposed to shoot me. He just needs to be held to, up to what he did. He's a the, he's the murderer.
1: That's just how I feel. Why is the relationship between cops and residents on such thin ice? Turns out, a viral video has a lot to do with it. That's next on The Promise. Stories from public housing on the brink of transformation. The Promise is a production of Nashville Public Radio. Editing for this episode came from WPLN's Blake Farmer and Anita Bug, with additional editing by Tony Gonzalez, Emily Seiner, Chaz Sisk, and Julieta Martinelli. This episode was written and produced by me, Maribah Knight. Sound design by Tony Gonzalez, and fact-checking by Steve Cavendish. Our music is by The Insider and Fleslet, all found through the Free Music Archive. Go to our website, WPLN.org, to see photos of Casey and listen to previous episodes.
2: Bud Ice, hot beer of champions. (laughs) Hot beer of champions. Now you got a free commercial.
0: (laughs) So that was The Promise, episode two by Maribyr Knight and WPLN. If you like it, subscribe at thepromise.wpln.org. And this is the Curious City podcast. We'll have a brand new Curious City episode next week. Stay tuned for a promo. Coming up this summer, we'll answer questions about urban coyotes in Chicago, the history of synagogues, and what it's like to drive a CTA train. As always, you can ask your question about Chicago or the region at CuriousCity.WBEZ.org. And let us know what you think about us using our season breaks to bring you other podcasts we think you might like. You can message us on Facebook, email City at WBEZ.org, or tweet. We're at WBEZ Curious City. And we have two events coming up next week, and there are still tickets for both. On Friday the 15th, we'll be at the Museum of Science and Industry for an after-hours event titled A Night at the Fair. We'll be presenting two Curious City stories live, both about the 1893 Columbian Exposition. And on Saturday, the 16th, our reporting on Chicago's Urban Coyotes will be featured as part of Science Friday Live at the Harris Theater. You can find out more and buy tickets for either event at wbez.org slash events. Hope to see you there. Next time on Curious City. In East Chicago, the EPA cleaned up several homes and yards contaminated with lead. But one man isn't sure his backyard is really clean.
2: All alongside here from that patio thing, all the way down, they dug up. So you mean to tell me this is contaminated and this
0: isn't? Why some people in East Chicago, Indiana, find it hard to trust the government. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City.